Welcome to Crohn's and Colitis UK, the podcast. I'm Geraldine. I work for Crohn's and Colitis UK in the media team, and I have ulcerative colitis. I've had it for nearly 30 years now, and none of this would be possible without my right-hand man, who's also helping. This is Luke. Hi, Geraldine. It's nice to finally do this, to sit down and chat Crohn's. Obviously, I have Crohn's disease. You have colitis. So it kind of goes hand in hand a little bit doesn't it really so it yeah it's great well. to be here yeah. two, two sides of the same coin and all that um actually one thing we should really say for the very beginning this is obviously we know that everybody's doing a podcast we know everyone's got a podcast these days and we know there are loads of podcasts out there talking about all sorts of things we really really want this to be an opportunity for people to tell their stories and to talk mm. about exactly what it's like to live with inflammatory bowel disease now um, I know all about it. You know all about it. Probably not enough people out there know about what it means. And that's partly what this is about as well. There are actually half a million, in fact, more than half a million of us here in the UK who are living with Crohn's or colitis, which is kind of quite mind blowing when you think about it. I think we've got a stat, which is something like one in 123 people, which works better if you see it written down, um, has Crohn's <laughs> or colitis. And wow. it's it's actually really a lot. Now, I'm an old timer at this, been going on for a long time for me. So I remember way back when nobody talked about it. Um, now we're all talking about it a little bit more. And that's kind of what this podcast is for. If you're listening to this and you've only just been diagnosed or maybe you've been living with it for a really long time or you know and care about somebody who's got Crohn's or colitis, hopefully we'll be able to, to tell you something about it. So I'm going to put you first on the spot, Luke, <laughs> and I want you to tell me all about your Crohn's. How did it start? When did you find out? Yeah, so uh, uh, I was 16. I was 16. And uh, there were signs that I had Crohn's. I just I'd never even heard of Crohn's, never even heard of it. And I had symptoms and uh, those symptoms got worse, but I didn't really share it with anyone. And I didn't really see the need to say anything to anyone because I was a teenage lad, you know, playing football two, three times a week, going to school. And I just started sixth form, right? had a really bad stomach one night and the pain was excruciating, right? Mm. Went into hospital. Uh, they said, oh, you know, we're pretty confident it's uh, it's the appendix. So you've got appendicitis. We're going to put you under. We're going to take the appendix out and you'll be back to playing football in like two months or something, something like that. And at, at the time I was like, okay, that's not, that's not the end of the world. I'd seen the... Uh, I'd seen the Tracy Beaker episode where she gets her appendix out or the Malcolm in the Middle <laughs> episode where, where Malcolm gets his appendix out and you're like, oh, you know, it, it, it's, it's relatable. It's, it's almost like normal just going and getting your appendix out. Um, now, when I was under during the surgery, they'd found that uh, my appendix was okay. It was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. And they were like, well, what's wrong with this guy? And uh, my intestine had ruptured. Um, from Crohn's. And so the next day, I'd woken up to a stoma bag. I had a stoma um, and diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And yeah, it was it was a huge, huge shock to the system, you know, being 16, uh, just started sixth form. And I was I was getting all of this information. It was it was a lot. 
You know, it's a lot of information to just wake up on, you know, like a Sunday or Monday <laughs> to, to, to hear. And yeah. I, I remember reading the, the, the word Crohn's. My mum wrote it down for me, Crohn's. And I was like, how do you even say that? Crohn's? Oh. <laughs> you know, I was like, never. What is this? It turns out my great grandmother had it. Oh. Um, yeah. And so my, my family knew a little bit about it. Um, but obviously not not enough, sadly. But uh, yeah, a, a year later, year-ish later, this is now uh, during the Olympics in London, I got a reversal, you yeah. know. Um, and yeah, na- nowadays I'm on uh, azathioprine and I'm also on a course of infliximab as well, a biologic drug. So that's kind of like the short-ish version of my journey with Crohn's disease my my uh my ever going journey an ever changing journey and relationship with Crohn's um but I I've found like Crohn's and Clients UK whether it's like Facebook groups or LinkedIn I've found it so ridiculously helpful during you know good times and hard times and I just want to with this podcast I want to just kind of emphasize that there is a community out there that there are other people out there that understand that have been through things like you yourself like the listener like you Geraldine so that's my story um and I'm sure we'll find out more bits and bobs as time goes but let me throw it over to you tell us about your story with uh, colitis ulcerative colitis Yep. So mine was, I was a, I was a child. I was uh, nine or 10, I think. And I started getting lots and lots of tummy cramps. And then I mm. think I was 10 the first time I suddenly started getting bleeding um, in my poo, blood in my poo. And um, I noticed it and I thought, oh my goodness, what is this? Um, and I think, you know, uh, as a as a girl at that age, I suppose I was in that Judy Bloom reading stage. It uh, really dates me, but I was reading all those books. And I remember thinking, oh, blood when I go to the loo, I must, you know, this is it. This is puberty. And then I realized, oh, no, wait, that's not that's not what this is. That's not yeah. where this is coming from. And then it kind of carried on and carried on and um, went to the doctor. And there was a lot of, oh, not really sure. And I had actually lived in West Africa when I was younger. And so for quite a while, uh, there were some questions over, had I caught something? Was there some kind of parasite? Was there something in my digestive system that was causing this? Lots and lots of tests come back really with nothing. Um, and then at about 12 or 13, I remember I had a colonoscopy and I was like, no, I can't really find anything. And then when I had just turned 14 I caught gastroenteritis from either my brother or sister can't remember which one and uh, over the course of a weekend just became really really unwell just lost an awful lot of weight and essentially got rushed into hospital very dehydrated put on a drip and essentially the doctor's at that hospital said, you're not going. And so we find out what is wrong with you because this has been going on for long enough. And I was in hospital for just over a month, I think. Um, I got out on Christmas Eve, I remember. And uh, I had every test that you can imagine, all sorts of things. I was very, very unwell and was being fed through a nasogastric tube. And then I eventually somebody said, oh, you've got ulcerative colitis. And uh, you know, a little bit like probably you, somebody, I was told you've got colitis. And I was like, great, what can I do for it? And it's like, well, I mean, you can try these medications and there are all these treatment options. It's like, okay. And then, and then it'll be gone. Right. 
It's like, no, 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 mm. no, it won't, it won't be gone. You're going to have this forever. Uh, and then I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you will have good days and you'll have bad days. And at some point there will be times when you sort of every so often remember that you've got colitis or you're not thinking about it at every moment of every day. And at that time, um, when I was a teenager and just in and out of hospital on steroids, really going through it, I did my A-levels in hospital um, and had a teacher come down to invigilate the exams, like literally one arm with a drip in it and one arm (laughs) writing the exam. And I just remember very clearly thinking, I don't know when this is ever going to come, this magical time when it's all going to be sort of sorted. But um, I then started a treatment which did work for me because a lot of things just it was a lot of trial and error as it is for people I speak to all the time. You realize that this whole trial and error thing is much is is what it's like when you have a long term condition. It's not just related to inflammatory bowel disease. I think it probably takes a long time to work out what works for you. Mm. And um, so I started on azathioprine and I have now been on it for about 25 years. And because of my azathioprine, I have really regular blood tests to make sure that the levels of everything look good. And for as long as they do, then I continue on it. And as well as that, I have regular meetings with my IBD team where we talk about whether that's still the best option for me. Um, And obviously that may change, things may move on, but for now it's working really, really well for me. Um, of course, there are all sorts of things involved in taking long term medications. And there's all sorts of different medications that you can take. uh, And there are lots of options. And as you've mentioned already, surgery, I've not had surgery, I almost did. And then at the last minute, there was a sort of decision not to operate and instead to, to keep trying with medication. And, And that has worked for me. But I do of course, it's been a long time for me. It's 30 years this year mm. since uh, my diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. So for me, it's it's been up and down. And I've had lots of periods where I've been mostly quite well. But then there are, as with everyone, you know, there are lots of periods where, I, where I'm not. So it's just kind of, and I've never spoken about my bowels as much as I have since I started working at Crohn's and Colitis UK, which is probably kind of to be expected. Um, but certainly when I was diagnosed, it was just not something that anybody particularly spoke about at all. I was given a leaflet, and this really dates me because it was like mid nineties. I was given a leaflet for um, the predecessor for Crohn's and Colitis UK, and was essentially told um, send off a stamped addressed envelope, and these guys will send you back some leaflets. And I just remember it was obviously pre everyone having the internet I just remember having those leaflets when I was recovering at home from that first stint in hospital and just reading them over and over again and thinking I hope there's going to be some sort of answer here about what I need to do um mm. but it definitely has been a big part of my life I, I mean I've had it for much longer than I haven't so it's yeah. very it's something that you know I've lived with for a very very long time now and obviously will continue to live with um, yeah. Yeah. So it's bizarre, and yeah. it's sort of like almost your weird. I'm sure we've, you know, we'll hear this from lots of people. It's almost your weird superpower in a way. Lots of people say that. Um, it really changes you in lots of ways. I would totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And you know, something that I noticed is that it's funny how we both came from a situation where you're almost in denial, especially when you're young, and there's that kind of lack of information and lack of knowledge on what this could be and almost like the severity of it, right? And I think that's something that's changing, you know, in Crohn's and Clark's UK, helping to push that and change that in itself and to spread awareness. But um, it's interesting that in the past, yeah, like I, I just not heard of it. And I still, I, when, I, when I talk to friends and family, it does seem to be 
more known than what it was, say, 10 years ago. But there are the odd people here and there where they're like, I'm like, oh, I've got Crohn's. Do you know what that is? I'm like, no. <laughs> what? And, and some of, I don't, I'm not going to say them, but some of the ideas of what it is are pretty left field and a little bit crazy even when they have heard of it they just think it's something completely different to the reality of it and and that that spreads from you know friends family to i don't know maybe like colleagues or managers and bosses and it's really important that 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 the understanding is there that oh yeah this isn't just like a muck about this isn't just like you know, this is this is a serious disease that affects people differently. Yeah, it can make you super tired. But in other ways, I love what you've just said. It can be a bit of a superpower. Yeah. And sometimes it is about attitude. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm not discrediting the tough times and the tough weeks and months, maybe years, you know, because we've been there and we know like what you just yeah. said, Geraldine, you know, doing a test. Do an exam from a hospital. I don't know if I would do that. I, I really don't know <laughs> well, if I would I'd sort of got that. that far. So I was like, I did the first one and I had to leave the exam hall. The, in my first A-level exam, I just became very unwell. I, I mean, I knew it wasn't great before I went in. Um, yeah. But I was like, oh, no, 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 it'll be fine. It'll be fine. This will be absolutely fine. And by the end of the, and by the end of it, it was my A-level French. And I remember it was my most important, like everything rode on at university place, all of that. I was kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. I was thinking, you know, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I spent half of it basically in the loo and then sort oh. of came out of the exam and I remember meeting my mum and she just was like nah, it's time to go to the hospital and then the rest of them were just done in there and I, I mean you know in the end it worked out all okay and um it didn't really have that much of an effect and it was all it was all fine but it's definitely really difficult I mean by the time I went to university which is obviously the, for me the next step from that I already had nearly five years of living with colitis under my belt so all that stuff of like you know it, it's this if it, it's it's difficult at any age it's quite tricky as a teenager you know everyone else is thinking about <laughs> you know their relationships or freshers week you're thinking about going out and drinking or whatever you might be thinking about and I remember I was on loads of steroids and I was exhausted and having to go back to my room and do all the <laughs> unglamorous things like enemas and all the other mm. things that I was being prescribed and just thinking this is not how I envisage my freshers week to be but mm. actually you kind of learn to adjust your your life and um there have been other points where I've been really really well and all that thing that you know I think it was a doctor said to me all those years ago of, there will be times when you actually have to kind of remind yourself not yeah. to take it too far because you have got a chronic illness and I would just be like no that will never happen it's just going to be in bed for the rest of my life ill and actually that's not that hasn't been the case for me and and it's really important to say that lots of people will experience that a lot yeah and it's it is that we kind of hope that by listening to this at whatever stage you're at you'll think oh yeah I can recognize a tiny bit of myself in that because I think that talking about it really helps and I think talking about it is something that people probably don't do and talking about it early on in maybe in a relationship if you've got a diagnosis or if you suddenly start spotting the signs now if you're a child and you notice what I did you go and tell your parent and then your parent thinks oh this isn't right and goes and makes an appointment with the doctor if you're a bit older, there's a tendency to be like, oh, maybe I ate that dodgy burger. I'm not really sure about it. Oh, I've always had a bit of a funny tummy. You know, people people just, you explain mm. it away, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some people want to like, 
I don't know, they want the answer that isn't always Crohn's or something that is as severe. They want the answer of, oh, it is just a bit of food poisoning or I've got a sensitive stomach. And it's like, well, sometimes there's more, there's more to it than that. And yeah, I think it's really important that we try and create a space where people can explain their stories and their perspectives of Crohn's and colitis and create a space where people can send in their thoughts and their experiences because I quite frankly I just I love podcasts and it's something that I wish I'd had you know when I was 16 I wish Luke knew there was other people my age in the same exact same situation even with the exact same misdiagnosis like the amount of times I know it's not it's not like every person but the amount of times I hear people saying oh yeah I went in with appendicitis you know they thought it's appendicitis come out with a stoma bag it's like the same same and to just know there's other people with the same issue it 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 means a lot right so that's my perspective so imagine you know how some of our guests are going to relate to some of the listeners and some of their stories might trigger a memory for us and go oh yeah I remember this happened to, to, to me and that's what it's all about that's what it's all about. And we've got some great guests lined up and planned, right? Yeah, absolutely. And before we bring the first of our fabulous guests on, I'm just going to do a bit of housekeeping. And this is going to be, we might even need to bring in a sound for this because I'm going to mention this all the time. But the first mention on this podcast, let's mark it, of the Crohn's and Colitis UK Symptom Checker. So if you're at home and you're listening to this and you haven't got one of the conditions or you know someone who's saying, oh, I often have a bit of a diarrhea, actually, well, I often have a loose tummy or sometimes I have bleeding or I'm absolutely exhausted and or whatever it is. There is a very handy tool on the Crohn's and Colitis UK website. You just go to the website or you can go to crohnsandcolitis.org.uk forward slash symptom checker and you will find something that takes 30 seconds to fill in. Uh, So tell all your friends who might be complaining about their dodgy tummies, but don't ever do anything about it when you tell them about um, your diagnosis. And it's got very straightforward questions, takes about half a minute to fill in. And at the end, it will give you a letter that you can download and you can take to your doctor so if you're a bit embarrassed to go and say well actually every time I go to the toilet I poo blood or actually I have diarrhea eight times a day and you know I've got um terrible cramp or awful wind and bloating and I don't know what it is then that uh letter is a sort of easy way to kind of get you into that conversation and that sort of fast tracks everything and makes it easier to get that first step towards a diagnosis which obviously lots of people listening to this will be past that stage but there might be somebody that you know for whom that is useful so the Crohn's and Colitis UK website crohnsandcolitis.org.uk and if you find the symptom checker you'll find a very easy way to ease yourself or whoever you love and care about who might need this into that conversation with the doctor. So, Luke, very excitingly, we've got our inaugural guest on Crohn's and Colitis UK, the podcast. And who better than the wonderfully named Lauren Golightly? Lauren, if you've read about her on our Little Things campaign on our website, you'll know that Lauren is going to get married soon. So she won't be called Lauren Golightly anymore, which is great that she's getting married. But what a name. Um, Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you both today. 
Lauren, you've done lots of work with us as a charity already, so people might be familiar with your story. But if they're not, let's take it all the way back. And can you just tell us a little bit about which of the conditions you live with and and how it all started? Yeah, so like I said, I'm Lauren. I'm currently 27, living in the northeast of England. I have Crohn's disease and I've had Crohn's disease since 2018. I was actually misdiagnosed with IBS for three years prior to that and then kind of discovered that I had Crohn's disease from there. Since then, it's been a bit of a rocky road, lots of ups and downs, lots of hospital admissions, lots of changes in medication, lots of life changes, and really trying to live alongside the condition. In 2021, I actually needed an emergency stoma operation due to complications with Crohn's disease, which absolutely changed my life overnight. And then I had my stoma reversal in the July of 2022. And during that time and since then, I've just been like doing my best to raise awareness, doing my best to bring Crohn's into the conversation and not be fearful about talking about bowel habits and poo. So that's Mm. kind of where I'm at at the moment. Before uh, you got diagnosed with Crohn's, uh, had you heard of it or Crohn's or colitis or is there any like history in the family, anything like that? Nothing like that. Never mm. heard of Crohn's disease, never heard of colitis, never heard of IBD. Or if I had, I personally thought that that was IBS, which is obviously a common misconception that happens when people don't know what is what. Um, no one in my family has it. Nope, just me on my own. Mm. And what was that first symptom? What was that first thing that you noticed? When did you first think, oh, this isn't right? Something's going wrong here. So I started to get symptoms associated with Crohn's disease when I was in university, which would be periods of fatigue. Um, I would have really irregular bowel habits. I would have blood in my stool. When I went to the doctors about that, they said it was lifestyle. So I was at uni, I was going out all the time. Um, I was drinking a lot, eating the wrong foods, partying. So they just said, oh, it's lifestyle. And, you know, if you were to fix that, then your problems would go away. And obviously that didn't happen. And and blood in your still is like a really big indicator that something serious is going on. But I was just dismissed as either having like a tear or something quite minor. And like I say, they put it all down to lifestyle. But the pain that I would get when my stomach would get really kind of swollen would concern me to a point where I thought this isn't a stomach bug and this isn't because I've ate the wrong thing. So Mm. I used to repeatedly go back to the doctors numerous times, but it actually took until I had appendicitis in 2018. And it actually took for them to take my appendix out for them to realize that it was actually Crohn's disease and not IBS. Yeah, same. Exactly. I mean, I've already talked about my experience on the intro, but I had a very, very similar experience. Um, you mentioned, you know, if food, and obviously you're at university, probably having a bit to drink, maybe a kebab or two. And I love my food. I love all types of food. I like really good food. I like really bad food. <laughs> I love all of it. But how has, um, you know, having Crohn's and maybe even while you had a stoma, how's that affected everyday life, particularly when it comes to food and, you know, anything else really? I think if I was to start with food and then go on to other things that would probably work best. So just, um, I'm a foodie. So like you say, I love me kebabs. I love me pizzas. I love my fatty foods. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but anything that's kind of salty and full of kind of 
things that are technically bad for you, but obviously fine for you in moderation. Those are my mm-hmm. favorite things. And then <laughs> yeah. you hear you've got IBD and you think, oh my goodness, am I going to have to completely change my lifestyle? And I think what I've learned is that there are definitely some foods that I need to avoid that mm. I want to be clear, don't cause IBD. But if I'm already poorly, can exacerbate my symptoms and make them worse. Unfortunately, one of those things is kebabs. So <laughs> obviously from the Northeast, kebabs are a big part of my life. And I'm really going to be careful about when and how often I eat them. If I'm well, no problem. All the kebabs in the world. If I'm poorly, no kebabs for Lauren, which is devastating. Um, when I had my stoma, my diet changed quite significantly because yeah. I was fearful of blockages. And I found that I couldn't actually eat as much as I could without it. Um, and I think that's quite a common experience for people to have. Um, and it was things that I had to avoid that I didn't expect to have to avoid, like popcorn, um, mm-hmm. onions. So no onion rings. Again, like all of these things that are, are not so good for you long term, but I really enjoy them. I can't eat nuts. Um, salted peanuts at Christmas are an absolute no-go for me, which is a shame. And then in terms of my everyday life and how it affects us, I honestly don't know quite where to begin. I think when I got diagnosed, I didn't really realise the impact that it would have on my life. I thought nothing would change. And actually, my whole world has now had to adapt and form around this illness. So my work has to adapt what I do socially has to adapt, how much I physically do has to adapt and how I kind of be compassionate and think about myself has also had to adapt. So I've really had to build a life around this illness, which I didn't expect I would have to do. And Luke and I have both spoken a bit already about the point in our lives at which we were when we were diagnosed. And I think the three of us have something in common, which is that none of us had met our partners when we were diagnosed so we met people after that happened I mean for me I was 14 when I got my diagnosis so I was quite far along the road with my colitis at that point so you know for you did you think it was really important you've uh, we we know that your fiance James is really really supportive of you I, I know that was it really important to be explicit early on because for me it was a very important straight out there conversation very very early on this is what's going on with me and you need to understand it um and I'm and I wonder if you had the same experience it was a bit of a mixed experience for me because I met my fiance James probably about four months or so after I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at that point I still did not understand it and I didn't understand the impact that it would have on my life so I felt like it was the way that everyone else was treating Crohn's disease at that time, I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Why don't I feel like it's a big deal somehow? So I got the sense when I met him that it was a conversation I needed to have. More so from the impact of, I didn't know how, and this is very stereotypical, so I apologize, but I, I in my head, I was very much thinking, how is a male going to perceive a female having bowel trouble? So that was something that I was really concerned about more so than, and this is the impact it would have on our relationship. It was more, I need to know that he's okay with the fact that I might struggle with aspects of that. And can he tolerate conversations around that or not was a bit of a thing for me. But I certainly wasn't prepared for what the illness would be and therefore wasn't able to really inform him about what the illness would look like. So if I'm being completely honest, if he turned around and said, oh, 
you know, I actually don't feel comfortable with that. I'd have probably just gone, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I just won't talk about it then. But yeah. obviously that's not realistic. Um, and if it was now, I would view things very differently. But because I was so early on in my like diagnostic journey and understanding what Crohn's is, I felt like I didn't understand. So how could I help him to do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I really appreciate the honesty as well, the transparency there, because it's historical, isn't it? You know, and you 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 don't know what you're gonna say in the moment, and sometimes you say things that later on in life you think, oh, that's a weird thing to for me yeah. to have thought or say, or you know. And um, I just want to dig a little bit deeper into that, and I, su- I suppose it's related. But how how has it affected your mental health? You know, the stoma the operations, uh, your relationship, it, it affects everything, doesn't it? You know, how how have you dealt with that, if you don't mind me asking? I don't mind at all. I actually love talking about mental health because I'm training to be a clinical psychologist at the minute. So I actually work for the NHS wow. in mental wow. health services. So yeah. I love it when people bring mental health to the forefront so that we can like bring that as part of a conversation. Um Crohn's has definitely impacted my like mental well-being I think especially when things started to go very badly and I was having a lot of hospital admissions I definitely had this realization that it wasn't going to go away and I had this sense of doom for the future which again like very dramatic for me but I did I had this sense of it's not going to go away and what's my life going to look like I'm so young and I've got this long road ahead and suddenly life felt in some ways a bit of a chore because I thought am I ever going to be able to enjoy anything again with this lingering over me in the in the way that it is and the impact it has so especially when I was in and out of hospital I definitely felt like is this how it's going to be and I think that affects your mood and then also like a level of anxiety about the future a lot of worry about when am I next going to be purely, when's my next hospital admission going to be? And I think that that's such a stark difference from people who don't have a long-term health condition is that you might think, I I might end up in hospital in the future or if I end up in hospital, but if you're living with this condition, it's it's a categorical when. And I think you have to plan that into your life. And I find that very difficult. When I got my stoma, I actually was expecting to find that a lot more difficult than I did and that's not because it isn't a difficult experience but I I genuinely had like what you would call post-traumatic growth which I wasn't anticipating Um, and it's completely normal if other people don't experience that but I thought that that was going to be it for me and there are aspects of that that I did find particularly traumatizing especially Mm. around pain um And I do actually have like a kind of PTSD diagnosis, like running at the moment because of those experiences. But equally, I made a decision in that moment that I didn't want to let it defeat me or I wasn't going to give in to that. So I felt like I was able to grow from that scenario. It does impact my life, does impact my mental health on bad days. But there are also good days where I'm filled with hope and I feel very empowered and I feel very proud and my self-esteem lifts when I'm in pain and I'm poorly and I'm in and out of hospital, my self-esteem drops and I don't feel very good and I feel very isolated. And I think it's that fluctuation that can feel very unpredictable at times, but I'm trying to learn how to navigate that. But that's something that just, just takes time and support from other people as well. So I've uh, accessed mental health services in the past. I'm out now obviously 
working for mental health services. So I've had that full circle. I think just to normalize that we all need help sometimes. And that's not something to be ashamed of because life is really hard, especially Mm -hmm. if you're living with a long-term health condition like Crohn's or colitis. Wow. And I know you said at the beginning of it that, you know, you said very dramatic from me or whatever, but I would I would venture that everyone listening to this who's been told that they have Crohn's or colitis or who's been told that they have, I don't know, diabetes or another long-term health, lifelong health condition will have had those feelings as well. Some all at once, some slowly, some years later, but it's a lot to wrap your head around and to just kind of take you to where you are now and the really positive way in which you've channeled some of what has happened to you and around your kind of social media and around your work on Instagram and and body positivity, which I know lots of people talk about now, which is fabulous because, you know, 30 years ago when I was a 14 year old girl getting told I had this and taking lots of steroids and either very underweight or very bloated from steroids with no in between, there was none of that. So it's great to see that that is available now for people to look at and really take strength from. How do you feel about you know, how did you come to decide, right, that's it, I'm going to set up an Instagram, and I'm going to tell people this is what it's like. And you know, there's no point shying away from it. I think particularly around the body positivity end of things. And I know people do have mixed opinions on that. And that's completely okay. But for me, there's something about when I got my storm or something shifted. And I realized that I needed to appreciate my body for what it could do for me in terms of survival and keeping me safe and less about punishing it with diets, punishing it with trying to make it look a certain way and trying to almost keep up with society and keep up with what I felt like I should look like. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that, whatever their gender, in that you feel like you must look a certain way to be deemed popular, attractive, successful. And I realized that my body is not going to thank me for that now or in the future. So I started to try and appreciate my body for what it had survived. So for me, surviving the storma surgery, because it was an emergency situation. And if, if that surgery didn't happen, I wouldn't be here. So I started to appreciate the fact that my body had kept me alive. And that although it might now look different, and it might work differently, and it might not be like perfect, I'm doing like air quotations at that. But <laughs> I'll be able to um I'll be able to live and I should thank my body for being strong enough to get me through that and I think that was a shift for me like I say I don't tend to diet now I don't tend to I, I exercise for health and if I feel healthy and able to I don't push myself to do it to look a certain way or because I think I should I do it because I feel well enough to and if I don't I'm not going to punish myself for that so I think that was a big thing for me and I wanted to spread that message like I say I work in mental health services and I've worked in a lot of services where people do struggle with their body image to a really significant level I've seen the impact that that can have and I've, I've lived that experience myself as a young teenager as well and I really just wanted to say actually like we, we need we just don't need to try it's okay to be who you are and you know, I mean, I know it's not filmed, but I don't look like the certain body type that would be considered like perfect online or the type that would go on Love Island. And, you know, I'm not asking for people to rush to me and go, oh my God, but you look great or whatever. Like it's genuinely just, and that's okay. I'm not trying to be that. I'm just happy to be alive and to nourish my body in the way that it deserves. I, I, I'm i just sitting here listening to this. I'm like, man, this is it really is powerful. When I was 16 and I had, I had a similar surgery to you, 
got a stoma, overnight got diagnosed with Crohn's, never even heard of Crohn's. And overnight, your life completely changes. And I went from being, you know, a really physically fit 16-year-old lad who's playing football like three, four times a week to suddenly being bedbound and learning to change a stoma bag and learning a new diet, learning what Crohn's disease was and how this was going to affect my future and my life. And that still happens today. You know, I, like you, I've also had a reversal, but let's say uh, if I'm going for one of my infusions, some, sometimes you just think to yourself, oh, I can't be bothered. I can't, I just can't be bothered mentally. It's just not in me today. And I remember feeling that only uh, a few months ago for, for a specific infusion. And it was my wife, my partner, uh, who is my biggest champion and biggest supporter when it comes to Crohn's and research. She's on all the the, the, the forums and, and, and whatnot. She's brilliant. She said, Luke, you got to like change. I know it's really tough and you are well within your right to feel how you feel, right? I'm not changing that, but you need to appreciate that it is a privilege that you are getting this medicine that you are getting this treatment right because around the world that's not always available yeah this is saving your life and i i don't know what it was the, the way it's the way she said it and the day and it was coming from my wife i needed to hear that and that that has stuck with me that just complete change in thinking thinking oh you know what yeah this is say this is this is literally life-saving stuff. And because of this, I get to still, you know, watch my football. I get to go out with my friends, see my family, watch, you know, my favorite Star Wars film. Yeah. And I don't know, with, with, without this and without this discussion, I don't know, it can feel very lonely. And it's just, it's so, Lauren, I, it's so encouraging to hear stories like that even though, you know, we, we do have different lives. We live in different places. You know, I'm a guy. And yet, really, our stories aren't too dissimilar. We can still pick out similar things. So I just wanted to quickly say thank you. Yeah, I wanted to jump in and just go, yeah. Because what you've just said is so, so good. So good. Thank you. Um, and I think as well, what I find often, regardless of kind of background, is that the themes that result from living with a condition like this are the same, which is exactly what you've just said. But I kind of just wanted to add to it as well that, yeah, you can live in different parts of the UK, you can identify as a different gender, but actually the the themes of living with a condition like this really do pull people together because they, they transcend all of those other aspects of identity a lot of the time. I think that's where that sense of community comes from, where if I hear that somebody else has Crohn's or colitis, I instantly think, oh, I can relate to them in a way that feels really like special and unique because I know that they're going to at least have an understanding, even if their story is slightly different or they experience different symptoms, they're still going to be able to relate to what it's like to live with that condition. I think it's so important to have that. And you must have had feedback from people. I mean, I know that we've all had conversations in our lives where somebody has said, uh, as Luke was saying about his his wife, you know, just where someone has basically said, listen, listen, you need to take this seriously. And, you know, you need, you need to sort of change your outlook on it or you need to kind of get with the program because this is, this is here to stay. And it's, you know, we've all had that, whether it's parents or partners or whatever, at whatever stage in our lives, maybe multiple times. And presumably 
well, I know that for some people who maybe don't have that, what you've provided um, through your social media has really helped to sort of show that to people. And you must have had very positive feedback from people. I have. It's, it's honestly like I, I've had such a lovely side of the internet to advocate from. Um, I feel like the IBD community or the relatives and friends of people who have IBD who are wanting to learn more about it are just so kind and so encouraging. I've never ever once questioned whether this was something that I wanted to do. I've never had any negative backlash from it. Um, it's something I enjoy. My friends and family are very encouraging. My work are very encouraging of the advocacy that I do. Um, and it was... It, it made me think when you were talking about, oh, everyone or some people might have that person that kind of says like, this is, come on, keep going, you can do this, but says it in such a way. Mm -hmm. And as much as James is absolutely that person for me consistently, another person who sticks out as like a really kind of life-changing moment is when I was in hospital and I just had my stoma and I was coming around to the reality of that situation I was learning how to care for my stoma bag and the stoma nurse kind of came in, was teaching me how to do a bag change. It wasn't going well. It was messy. I was upset. I was in pain. Like it was a really sad, it was a bad day. And I was crying. I was really like tearful. And that was one of the moments where I thought like, am I going to be able to do this? And she held my hands despite of the mess, which I thought was lovely of her. Um, and just said like, this bag has saved your life. I know it's hard and I know that it's going to take time, but I've known you for just three days and I know that you're strong enough to do this. It's going to be hard, but this bag has saved your life. And every time it gets hard, you need to remember that. And that's what you need to say to yourself. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. And since then, every time, I mean, obviously I've said I don't uh, live with my storm anymore, but I remember that moment whenever I need to think, right, what am I, what's my focus here? What do I need to do next? Because I'm alive and it's lucky and it's a privilege to have that. And she really just brought that like strength and fire forward in me. And it was actually that evening after that had happened that I created the Instagram account because I thought, right, this has been a complete switch for me. So I think it's important to have people who are very validating and very supportive but also direct if they need to be yeah wow wow that is superb i had so many good stoma nurses so many good st and nurses in general to be honest but it's empowering isn't it once again if you have the right people around you then you can really thrive and i think the point here is that it's sometimes surprising how many people uh, around you will support you and will give you that 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 emotional and physical support that you really really do need sometimes more than on some days more than others right yeah that's brilliant now uh lauren just to lighten the mood a little bit or maybe not maybe not who knows um you're getting married I am. Soon, right. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. How How is planning a wedding, planning something that is so momentous and important and lovely, how's that playing into your Crohn's, right? Because I, I don't know about you, but I'm always told that stress and Crohn's, you know, that's a no-no. Yeah, I've got to try and not stress out, try and keep mellow. And weddings are notoriously known for being a little bit stressful 
every now and then so how how are you finding that um I was just thinking when you said that it's actually quite funny because yes it is very stressful and then within that I've also decided I'm obviously doing my doctorate at the minute and I'm working in the NHS and I'm doing the wedding and so it's like when you were saying that I was like yeah don't choose easy things really (laughs) (laughs) putting myself under a lot of stress thankfully I am in remission at the minute which is I've never actually been in remission since my diagnosis so once I got my stoma reversed like that has just been such a relief but yeah so the wedding um I do have to think the, the negative that I'll get out the way and then I'll talk about all the lovely things is that I do worry about being poorly on my wedding day yeah. and that's a thought that I can't quite shift and I try not to pay it too much mind because me thinking about it isn't going to change whether it happens or not if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't and I know that I'll still make the best out of that situation but I think it's just again that you can't plan anything so I'm planning this lovely day that I'm putting like my heart soul and money into and then I don't know if I'm going to be able to be well enough to like reap the benefits of that but on a positive I'm actually really enjoying wedding planning um that's because my wedding's over a year away so the stress and the pressure hasn't quite got to me yet it feels quite easy going I also have a brilliant venue that are kind of doing everything for me so I don't really have to organize too much all I pretty much have to do is get my dress which I've got and do like hair and makeup and things so um it's been a nice ride so far but I think when I I decided that I wanted to get married because I didn't well no well I obviously wanted to get married. James made the, the call on that, but I decided, we decided to do the wedding um, while I was doing the doctorate because I didn't want the course to kind of impact my personal life decisions. But at the same time, was that the smartest thing to do considering the amount of free time that I actually have to be able to plan a wedding? So I think I've inadvertently made it a more stressful situation, which may then impact my health. But for now, fingers crossed, I'm doing okay. (laughs) That's brilliant. (laughs) That is brilliant. I like a busy person and I like a busy life. And I, I relate to that, I think. And I think it's part of just being creative sometimes. And and also, I don't want to be, as much as I'm, I will proudly talk about my Crohn's and I will proudly communicate my experiences with people. And even more so, even more so since reading about Crohn's and colitis experiences through Crohn's and Colitis UK, right? Whether that's on LinkedIn or on Instagram, hearing other people's experiences. And hopefully if one person comes away from hearing your experience and be like, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to be more open about it. I'm going to be more open with my boss about me feeling shattered. And do you know what? I, I'm not up to this. I'm like, That's a great thing. But I, like you, I don't know where I was going with that. But anyway, that was... <laughs> was <laughs> that was a, again a really really nice take because I don't think I think in a lot of ways Crohn's and Clites can be can be utilized as a superpower if you understand it if you can manage it properly it, it doesn't stop you from doing whatever you want absolutely and I think I mean I don't think any of us do anything do things by halves there may be people who are listening to this who are right at the beginning who are just thinking oh my goodness me I can't see the wood for the trees I don't know what's going to happen here this is feels so big and I don't know how I'm going to get my head around it and there are going to be people who think well I would never be able to go on my social media and start talking about my body and but it's it's almost kind of 
trying to find the right way to speak about it and the right the, what, kind of helping you with find the words really to talk about it. I mean, there are lots of resources on Crohn's and Colitis UK's website to help you kind of find those words to help you with that kind of talking. And also, I suppose it's you might be ready to shout about it on Instagram or on a podcast. You might want to sort of comparatively whisper it to like the next person, you know, somebody in your house or tell one person you've never spoken to about it before. But that's okay because people are ready to listen when you're ready to talk about it. And I think many years ago, people used to be squeamish about talking about sex, for example. Now that's kind of something people talk about on TV. It's on the radio. People are kind of talking about it all the time. The next step really is to go and normalize those conversations around your body, around poo, around things that you don't have to talk about it all the time, but just not feeling too squeamish about discussing something that really we find so much that when we talk to people about what we do here at Crohn's and Colitis UK, suddenly people open up and say, oh yeah, actually I do know somebody with that. Oh yeah, my my cousin's brother's got that. You know, it's there's always somebody, maybe 30 years ago or 40 years ago, there wasn't that, but now there is. And there are half, we've yeah. said already on this you know podcast, there are half a million people in the UK the ones we know about who've got Crohn's and colitis. So there are plenty, plenty more who are going to be connected to those people and who will be ready to listen and to support. Spot on. Um, I've, I've got one. I've got, I've got a question written down that I've wanted to ask. Okay. Um, what's one thing you would tell your younger self? Oh, I love that question. Yeah. Yeah. But I that's why I wrote it down. work all the time. <laughs> And then when someone asks me, I don't have an answer. <laughs> no, I will. I will think of an answer. Um, my biggest message that I would want to send to my younger self is to just be more self-compassionate um, and think more compassionately and be less self-critical in all areas of life. I think I've always um, thought of myself quite negatively until very recently and kind of just developing and obviously going into the field I've worked in I've picked up tips and tricks along the way but I think it's about leading with compassion at every opportunity you get so if I need to rest and spend a day in bed I'm not a failure for doing that if I need to take time off work and go off sick I'm not lazy for doing that if I need to say no to plans I'm not a bad person and if I'm not doing what other people are doing running marathons and which is all like you know amazing and great stuff but that doesn't make me less than so I think actually knowing my worth and what I bring to the table whether I am shouting about that or whether I'm keeping that very much to myself knowing that I'm absolutely worthy of success love and joy and all of those things that every single person deserves but I think we're just so harsh on ourselves all of the time so that's what I would like to say to my younger self and give her a big hug while I'm there. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lauren. That's a great note on which to end. Um, do you want to tell people where they can read more about you and find out more about you? Yeah, of course. So if you want to kind of chat to me, know more about me and read a bit more about my story, you can look me up on Instagram at Lauren Talking Shite. So that's <laughs> at Lauren underscore talking underscore shite. But thank you so much for having me. No, thank you very much, Lauren. Thank you. It's been fantastic. And I'm sure people will really, really take a lot from your story. And also you can read about Lauren if you go to the Little Things um, campaign page on the Crohn's and Colitis website, crohnsandcolitis.org.uk. You can read all about Lauren and see her engagement photos with her fiance, James, and read about all, um, all about them and their dog. 
and their fabulous life and how wonderful and supportive um, James is. And of course, their dog is named after a Star Wars character. So Luke is happy about that. Because yes. we've already had one mention of Star Wars this, this episode. <laughs> Only once, only once. I was a good only boy. Once. I was a good boy. <laughs> Thank Chat you soon, very Lauren. much. Thank bye. you. Bye. 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 That was Lauren. What an absolute superstar. A hard act to follow, wouldn't you say, Luke? How are we going to top yeah. that? I mean, I, I don't think we can top it, to be honest. But uh, we will try. Lauren, an absolute legend. Thank you so much again for coming on. We've got one little treat for you before we finish, which is that we wanted to hear not just from Lauren, not just from Luke and I, because we've been banging on for ages and you've heard plenty from us. We wanted to hear from other people in the Crohn's and Colitis community. So we put it out to a few people that we know and love and we said, can you tell us what has been your IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, moment of the week? And here's what they told us. Hi, I'm Louise from Flintshire. Um, I have Crohn's disease and my IBD moment of the week has been people reaching out to me on social media. They've heard and seen my posts regards Crohn's and IBD and they've reached out to ask about various support services that Crohn's and Clyde's UK offer. Thank you. Hi, I'm Stephen and I'm from Hamilton and I've got ulcerative colitis and my IBD moment of the week was being able to get out my house and celebrate my 40th birthday. I had a little get together that my friend had planned at her house and I'd been in a bit of a flare up the week before and um, actually being able to get out my house, go to my friends and enjoy my birthday um, with a small close group of friends was definitely my IBD um, moment of the week. Hi, I'm Sarah from Bedfordshire and I have ulcerative colitis. Um, and my IBD moment of the week is that I completed my final long run in the training for the Royal Parks Half Marathon and worked out that overall in my last 12 weeks, I've run 136 miles and all without needing to dash to the loo. that's it from us for the first episode of Crohn's and Colitis UK the podcast so excited we made it through Luke very exciting wasn't it it was amazing it's an absolute pleasure to do this and to hear from everyone all the different experiences to hear from Lauren honestly I I kind of wish that something like this existed back when I was 16 but you know it's here now it's here now I'm in a part of it so yeah it's a huge privilege for me and it's useful to you whatever stage of the journey you're at whether you're newly diagnosed whether you're an old timer like me whether you're somewhere in between it's uh, it's hopefully there for you and something else that's there for you as well is Crohn's and Colitis UK um, you can always follow us on our socials on Instagram Crohn's and Colitis UK all one word or Crohn's Colitis UK on X the artist formerly known as Twitter you can also look us up on LinkedIn <laughs> and on Facebook and also there's our website which is www.crohn's.com and colitis.org.uk and we will hopefully speak to you again soon bye 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 <laughs> it always seems quite random bye <laughs> bye <laughs> <laughs>